Welcome back to the Wellness Alchemy podcast for 2020. This is episode 14 and I'm interviewing Trisha Hart. Trisha has been a colleague of my mum's in the fashion industry at TAFE for many years. Trisha has a special passion for sustainability and I personally have a passion for conscious consuming in all facets of life. So I thought it would be brilliant to shed some light on the fashion industry and the confusing bits of information that we receive, um, getting us to perhaps reflect on our choices in how we purchase clothing items. So Trisha currently lectures in fashion studies and professional practice at TAFE Queensland and the University of Canberra. Her career in fashion began with bridal design. From there, she moved to retail management and buying before operating her own boutique. She also runs a creative industry with her partner, which specialises in colonial and contemporary Australian history and culture. Trisha's, Trisha's research areas include sustainable and ethical fashion, in particular, critical analysis of imagery associated with ethical fashion. She has presented at conferences in India and Japan and led study tours in India and Japan. Let's welcome Trisha. Welcome to the podcast, Trisha. Thanks, Janelle, and thanks for this opportunity to speak about something that I'm really passionate about. No worries. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your background as a fashion teacher? Um, yes, so I have worked in the industry. My background was in fashion retail, buying, boutique management, small business management. And uh, after working for a while in the industry, I decided to return to study. And I was very fortunate to uh, enrol in a Bachelor of Arts, which um, at the time featured guest lecturers in the field of fashion history. And this was a fairly new field in those days. I'm talking about the late 70s and early 80s. And for me, it was this wonderful opportunity to combine my interest in fashion with the um, history and the background of how fashion evolved. And as a result of that, I was able to obtain a position working as, as a fashion educator. So I started working at TAFE, teaching in the areas of fashion history and professional practice. And I also lecture at the University of Canberra. So I teach creative industry students likewise, aspects of their professional practice. And as a result of that, I have over the last couple of years, 10 years or so, developed a very strong interest in the field of sustainable fashion. And this applies to other disciplines that I teach in as well, but as the focus today is mainly on fashion, we'll stick to that. And uh, if I could just add a little bit about myself as well. Um, mm. I grew up in a household. We weren't that well off. Uh, we were comfortable, but we had the values that I think underpin the whole issue of sustainability. Mm. And they're things like, you know, we, I made my own clothes, for example. Um, we were always encouraged to be thrifty, to, to recycle and reuse. My parents grew up during the Depression, so they were very much informed as well by a, a society and environment where resources were really valued. I am a boomer, and during the 60s and 70s, I was also strongly influenced by the counterculture movement. And some of those values are very, very similar, uh, including respect for nature and the environment, uh, the value of human endeavour and, and people, and also how important it is to tread carefully upon the planet. Mm. So my two passions, fashion mm. and sustainability. Mm. And the dilemma how do those two coexist? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Sure. So um, during our discussions prior to this episode, you mentioned that there's no such thing as a sustainable item. Um, to be sustainable, you need to be ethical. Can you elaborate on this, please? Sure. Um, I think when the issue of fashion and sustainability first came to prominence, probably in the, the early noughties or the early 21st century, sustainability and respect for the, the planet basically was seen as a, a separate issue to ethical fashion, which focused obviously more on people and animals. But over the years, I've noticed how the two have really come together. And I think it's really important to emphasize the fact that 
you can't be sustainable without being ethical. Mm. You know, people are part of the planet. Animals mm. are part of the planet. So and sustain- our choices. Definitely. All of that, yeah. yeah. So sustainability can't exist without an ethical aspect. Mm. And ethical fashion has to be sustainable because, again, it's emphasis there on looking after the planet. So these days when the term sustainability is used, it tends to encompass ethical fashion as well and I think Mm. it's really important that those two elements are seen as the the one issue rather than separate issues Mm. yeah yeah okay so um we were also talking about how overwhelm for the buyer is really common in this context of you know what's sustainable what's ethical how far down the rabbit hole do you go (laughs) so can you elaborate on why that overwhelm I guess, or how, how, how do you navigate the overwhelm? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Janelle, because I think this is probably at the heart of the issue, like where do you start? Yeah. Um, and, and it can be very overwhelming. You know, we're, we're bombarded with stats and facts and opinions, etc., about, you know, what exactly constitutes sustainable and mm. ethical fashion. And I think, again, for the buyer to navigate that minefield... Part of this gets back to the complexity of the supply chain in the fashion mm, industry. This fascinated me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, companies and designers who choose to go down the, the sustainable ethical pathway um, do find it very difficult because, um, just as an example, part of a course that I was studying in sustainable fashion required that we not just identify the nature of the fabrics that were being used in sorry I'll I'll just backtrack we were asked to deconstruct a garment that we had in our wardrobe yeah and a lot of the information was was quite accessible where the garment was made what it was made of but then digging deeper we were asked to research where the fabrics and fibres originated. So I had chosen a linen garment, being reasonably sustainable as a fabric choice, but it was impossible to find out where the linen was grown, Mm. or the flax, I should say, which then becomes linen, and where the fibres and fabrics were manufactured. So if we go back to that supply chain, um, we're looking at... um, Everything from the the raw materials, whether it's a, a natural fibre or whether we're looking at an extraction process, when we're talking about synthetics, uh, the fibre and fabric production, which is that next stage in the supply chain. Then we have the dyeing and the finishing of fabrics. And a lot of research is showing that it's that stage that is quite environmentally damaging certainly Mm. and that relates back to the chemicals used when we dye fabrics so up until the end of the 19th century all fabrics were dyed using natural dyes and then synthetic dyes which were um, initially based on um, coal and now mainly oil uh, began to appear in about the 1870s and from then on I guess the consumers became used to the more vibrant colours and the longevity of synthetic dyes. Mm. So um, I was speaking to a chemist a, a number of years ago and their take on the issue of natural and sustainable dyes I found quite interesting because obviously we'd prefer to use natural dyes if possible. The perspective that was provided to me was that if we all wore clothing that was dyed with natural dyes, there would not be enough arable land left to grow crops wow. to feed us. Wow. So we'd all feel really virtuous by wearing our naturally dyed garments, but unfortunately we'd starve to death because there wow. would be no food production. Interesting. Yes, yes. So, as I say, these um, issues don't always have a black and white yeah, answer. Yeah, quite multifaceted. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, look, moving on from the dyeing process, we then have the garment manufacturing, and obviously that brings in a lot of issues relating to the the conditions and the uh, the welfare of workers mm, in the industry. And that gets a lot of limelight. It does. Yeah. And, and this... 
I guess links back to the evolving world that we live in and the issue of globalisation, whereas most clothing that we wear, um, certainly in Australia and in most of the um, first world economies, is not made locally. It's made offshore in third world economies. Mm. And this is part of this push coming from the consumer largely to have access to ever increasing volumes of cheap fashion. Mm. Um, consumers have become used to clothing, selling at uh, those low prices. And it's very unusual for people to think, well, what are the implications here? If I'm buying a T-shirt for $5, how much is the person who made it getting? Mm. And most of us don't think of that when we're we're just buying something. Hmm. So moving on, um, garment manufacturers. So as mentioned, most of this is made overseas or offshore. And so that brings in the the whole distribution and transportation of clothing. We may grow the raw materials here in Australia, send them offshore to be transported or uh, turned into the raw materials, sorry, the fibres and fabrics. It comes back to Australia, designed, sent offshore again to be made. And I did a rough estimate on a garment by a sustainable fashion retailer and I found that the wool was produced in New Zealand. Not too sure where the fabric was made. Again, this is a, a big issue here. Um, it w- the garment was designed in Australia. It was made in China. Because the designer wanted an uh, entirely natural fibre garment, she chose a natural fibre label. But she could only get that in Vietnam in the quantities that she required. Mm-hmm. That was then required to be sent to China to be sewn into the garment before it was sent back to Australia to then be distributed to retail outlets. No way. Just throughout the label. Australia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And in back to New Zealand for retail. And I think by my rough calculations, that garment, and obviously there were many of them, yeah. probably travelled about thirty thousand kilometres. Wow. Yeah. So that that distribution and unfortunately in our industry, because of the demand for for rapid turnover and fast fashion, most clothing and textiles is transported by air as opposed mm. to sea. So mm-hmm. again, contributing mm. grossly to mm. carbon emissions, pollution, mm. etc. Um, Moving on to the retail and marketing. Um, Retailers usually buy more clothing than they can sell simply because they don't want to be caught out or left with bare shelves. Mm. That encourages overconsumption. Marketing encourages the consumer to buy more. Mm. When that excess stock isn't sold, it's either reduced which again encourages further consumption. Mm. And a lot of evidence has come to light recently showing that any unsold stock that retailers carry over is actually dumped. It's not donated, Mm. it's not recycled, it's either buried or burned. Mm. And that again contributes to the pollution, environmental degradation. Yeah. And just that cycle of fast fashion. The cycle of fast yeah. fashion, yes. So perhaps I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment if I can just get to the last two stages of yeah, the, for sure. the supply chain there and the next one being us, the consumer. And um, there is evidence to also show that it's what we do as opposed to what the big designers and brands are doing that has the most impact from the um, point of view of the damage our industry does. And it's how we treat clothes once we get them. Mm. And in particular, the laundering process. So a former student did a study, part of a master's degree she was doing, into the supply chain. And her conclusion was that it was the the usage by consumers that was the most damaging. Mm. Her study involved... Oh, I think a, a, a large denim company donated some jeans and she asked her research participants to wear the jeans for three months, 
minimum of maybe three times a week and to never wash them. And she did a lot of scientific studies, including the bacterial count on the genes pre-use and at the end of three months. And surprisingly, there was no difference in the bacterial count on the genes at the end of three months. So further into her research, she found it was actually the laundering processes, uh, the drying, the ironing, etc. So we're looking at the use of water, chemicals, electricity, pollution from the waste, uh, not to mention dry cleaning, of course. Mm. Um, so that use end, that, what, what we do, has mm. an enormous impact as well, as does the disposal. What do we do with all of these clothes that we have? Mm. How do we dispose of them correctly or sustainably? And there, there's really very little way of disposing of clothing sustainably. Uh, as mentioned companies bury or burn clothing and that has is a major contributor mm, to environmental you, pollution and i remember you telling me the figure of how much is dumped per is Ooh, it like one ton per yeah and i don't have those figures or, with okay. me janelle but um yeah the the abc show war on waste has yep. those statistics yep. um and when we finish today, I'll also uh, provide you with a, a number of other sites where, you know, maybe your listeners can follow up that on some of this. That would be great. Yeah, and I'll yeah. add them to the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not too good on facts and figures. That's okay, no problem. <laughs> um, so again, all along this chain um, are the people. And this is where we get this, this um, merging together of sustainability and ethics But if I can just go back to my background as well, because one Mm. thing I wanted to mention to you was my dilemma as a a fashion teacher and a teacher of sustainability. Mm. Um, And particularly when we look at um, the concept of fashion history and change. And and fashion by its very nature means change. Mm. And ever since the Renaissance, when the, the concept of fashion, you know, really became embedded it was linked to changes in society etc so this is where I'm still struggle I must admit because I'm uh, you know teaching and researching why fashion changes and it's part of contemporary life Mm. and yet it is this fashion change that's led us to this crisis Mm. that we're in at the moment where people feel that they must update their clothing every season or a couple of times within a season yeah. and as you mentioned before the fast fashion model which is very much driven by technology and the way we communicate ideas about fashion has just led to this rapid turnover where often styles don't even last a season mm. yeah yeah the conundrum it is very much <laughs> of your role <laughs> Yeah, and I guess all you can do is educate your students on um, sustainable choices within the role of fashion to help guide them to make the best choices possible. And, you know, this podcast and many other Mm. things like War on Waste and, Mm. you know, as listeners or consumers being aware of our choices and the impact that they have and making the best choice possible with with where we're at in our stage of life. Well, that's that's such yeah. a good point. Yes, that's that's such a good point. And um, as a, a fashion teacher and uh, teaching students about change, I don't t- teach design. But you know, when students are designing new collections, they refer to fashion forecasting, mm. and they view collections of designers and look at parades and fashion shows and I've seen quite a lot of discussion around quite recently over the whole role of the fashion show the fashion parade the way that we promote and value that change Mm. and whether that's really a necessary part of the industry anymore because mm. the, the fashion show and the fashion parade, it's designed to encourage sales. It's mm. designed to encourage change. The, yeah. the change itself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's again, con- contributing to that conundrum. How mm. can we maintain that fashion system but at the same time 
minimise the the impact that yeah. it's having on the environment. And um, again, I said I'm not that great with stats, but uh, the the fashion industry is usually counted as one of the top three polluting industries mm. in the world, and probably contributing. I think the most recent report I saw was between 8 and 10% of greenhouse gas emissions mm. are as a direct result of the fashion industry. Interesting. And mm. one thing you shared with me when we were talking earlier was that synthetic fabrics produce nanoplastics in our waterways when they're washed. Um, so what action do you suggest us taking here? Other than what you mentioned before about perhaps washing less or being aware of our laundering processes and how that impacts... Yes, look, that's a, a very tricky one, Janelle. Thanks for bringing that one up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this gets back to, again, sustainable fashion. The, the research and interest is a comparatively new area of the industry and obviously driven by our rapid consumption as a result of fast fashion um, more recently, particularly since the 60s and 70s onwards when mass manufacturing really came into the, the whole equation. You know, prior to that, and even when I was growing up, people would make their own clothes. You weren't mm. going out and buying new things every week. So I do remember um, probably going back about 10 years ago and at a uh, conference I attended on sustainability, there was quite an in-depth discussion as to what was more sustainable, uh, synthetics or cotton. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the commentators at that time were leaning toward the fact that synthetics, because they lasted longer, because they could be recycled more often, because they required less intense laundering processes than natural fibres, could in the long term be more sustainable. And do they, sorry to interrupt, but mm. do they require less um, initial input? You know, cotton, for example, yes. requires a lot of water. Really good point. Yes, yeah. So um, apart from the fact that they're sourced from fossil fuels, mm. Mm. Um, yes, you, so, you don't have that. Yeah, <laughs> what, what's, yeah what's, the, what's the outcome of that? Precisely. And, it's, and It's a grey area, maybe. It is, very much. Mm. And, I mean, the, the natural assumption is that cotton will be more sustainable. But, yes, when you consider the amount of water required... Um, the dyeing processes, the treating processes, etc. Aside from the pesticides, aside as well, from the pesticides, the impact on the earth. Yeah, and mm. and also the impact of the pesticides on the the growers and the farmers. Yeah, and the people working in the factories. Yeah. Um, so what? Um, getting back to the the topic that we're on at the moment, and about the the nanoplastics. Mm. Um, it's only been recently that research has come out identifying that. When we wash synthetic fibres or, or garments, they shed microfibres. And, of course, these microfibres enter the, the waterways and, and eventually go into the ocean. So um, some research has identified that the majority of microplastic pollutions in the oceans these days isn't coming from plastic bottles or plastic bags. It's coming from the washing of synthetic garments so the shedding wow. of the fibers entering the oceans and of course this enters the food chains mm -hmm. and um i'm no doctor or scientist but i doubt that there's a person alive on the planet today who does not have microplastics mm. in their system mm -hmm. um as a result of I, I think they've even found them in honey mm. and um at in the wow. ice cores sourced from the Arctic and Antarctic. Wow. So that's quite frightening. Yeah. So the solution to this, I guess the most simple one, is to not buy synthetic fibres. Um, we also teach swimwear at TAFE mm -hmm. and try and buy a swimsuit these days that doesn't have lycra or some synthetic in it. Mm. Try and buy a pair of tights or stockings. Even my favourite undies, mm. which I used to buy because they were pure cotton, now will include lycra. Mm. So it can be really tricky and very mm. difficult to actually source garments that um, maybe don't have some synthetic in them. Mm -hmm. So first thing, avoid synthetics if possible. Um, I would probably also add avoid 
uh, fibre blends, so cotton polyesters, for example. Um, obviously, they still contain the synthetics, but when it comes to recycling, it's impossible to interesting remove the, yeah, the to separate, the, to the, separate two. the two. So, a poly cotton garment, for example, can't be recycled, mm. or the, the sorry, the, the fibre can't be recycled. Um, if you are going to wear synthetics, um, launder them less. Mm -hmm. um, something I read just recently, uh, to me, my natural assumption would be, okay, it's a synthetic garment, wash it on a gentle cycle because it will probably not shed as many microfibers. And yet something I read recently said, that's actually the worst thing to do because gentle cycles on our washing machines use more water to mm -hmm. compensate for the lack of agitation. Mm -hmm. And it's actually not the agitation, it's the amount of water. Mm -hmm. So when we wash a synthetic garment on a gentle cycle, we use more water and hence there's more pollution coming right. off the, that garment. So the big problem with these microparticles is that they're so, obviously, they're microparticles. Yeah. They're impossible to see. They're virtually impossible to capture. Yeah. There are... Um, filters that you can buy that you can use in a washing machine that claim to capture some of these fibres or mm -hmm. particles and uh, manufacturers are being encouraged to now develop washing machines that minimise um, or include filters in their system yeah. that capture the microfibres yep. before they enter the water or the, the water system and then what are we going to do with them? Mm. How do we dispose mm. of them? So this is a big issue. Mm. Uh, it is a really big issue. And at this stage, there's really no clear-cut answers mm. apart Sounds from like it's the... unfolding at present. It is. And, I mean, even natural fibres will shed microparticles and they will also enter the water stream and the environment, but they do biodegrade. Yeah. And this is the, the big dilemma. So yeah. at a very simplistic level... By natural fibres. Yeah, yeah. Know. And okay. if you do have, and I mean, I'm, I'm opposed to throwing things, good quality garments away, even if they are synthetic, wash them less mm. and not on a gentle cycle. Mm. Use yeah. the regular washing okay. cycle. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you're going to give us uh, a few resources at the end. Um, sure. One resource that I've come across over the years is an app called Good On You, which, oh, okay. you know, might be. Um, Quite a basic app, mm. but it definitely gave me some insight into which brands and labels sure. um, uh, place importance in different areas. Mm. For example, the labour mm -hmm. um, and how kind that was, mm. um, the fabrics that were used, um, the travel mileage, sure. those types of things. So um, the final question is one of mm. your passions is to value what we have. Sure. So in line with that app, I guess I, I'm curious, how can we capitalise this and be more of a conscious consumer? Yes, conscious consumption. Mm. Um, I know you're very passionate about this, Janelle, mm. in, in many areas. Mm. Um, and when it comes to fashion, I think the most important thing is to, to think before you buy. Mm -hmm. Do you really need it? Mm -hmm. um, there's a big issue in the industry that, um, yes, we need new fashion and, and certainly, you know, in, in certain careers and, you know, people who are in the spotlight, even as a fashion teacher, there is that pressure to, you know, be wearing up-to-date clothing, you know, to have something new. You're constantly evaluated on yeah. what brand are you wearing and, yeah. oh, my goodness, is that last season. Mm -hmm. um, so wow. I think it does really require a, a total rethink yeah. of the way we approach our consumption yes. of fashion. Yeah. So again, you know, just at a, a, a simple level, buy natural wherever mm -hmm. possible, natural fibres, uh, buy ethical. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the app that you use. And there is a degree of pulling by the consumer here to become more aware of the supply chain. Mm. And, you know, we've seen it happening in the food industry. We've seen it happen happening in, you know, building and architecture. It's taken a while for that to flow through to our industry. And again, I think that does come back 
to a certain degree to that complexity of the supply chain. Yeah, it's where very was that, complex. Yeah, where was that fabric grown? Yeah. You know, often even the, the fabric manufacturers don't know the provenance mm, of the, right. the fibre or fabric. So do your research. Thank you for that hint. I'll, I'll check out that app myself. No worries. Um, I use um, the Ethical Clothing Australia website. So it lists brands that manufacture in Australia that are accredited by ECA. And these are brands who have been very carefully audited to ensure that the workers who produce those garments are being paid according to award wages. So that's very easy in Australia because we do have an award for workers in the textile clothing and footwear Mm. industry. What makes it complex is that most brands don't make their own clothing. They mm-hmm. outsource to mm-hmm. other companies or even individual outworkers. So to be accredited with ECA is actually quite a complex process because some of the, uh, the, the actual supply chain within the garment manufacturing process can be 20, 30 links long. So for a company to say we're ethical, they have to be audited at every one of those links. So it's quite a large process. Mm. It means that the consumer can be guaranteed that what they're buying is is ethically produced Mm. but of course that only accounts for clothing that's made within Australia or onshore here Um, so I tend to rely on Baptist World Aid um, and they do a report every year and their report focuses on international brands as well and that's a, they have an app and, you know, you can use that before you make your purchase, you mm-hmm. know, oh, how is it rated? And it's an easy rating system from A to E, mm. but it's not foolproof. So mm. if I can use the example of the Australian label Q. Mm-hmm. So Q are the largest onshore manufacturer of clothing in Australia. They work with, I think, up to 3,000 different outworkers and factories here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So Q are accredited with ECA, Ethical Clothing Australia. But if you look at their rating on Baptist World Aid, it's it's quite low. I, I think from memory it's probably about a C. And that's not a full reflection of their ethical practices. It's more a reflection of the fact that they haven't been willing to hand over all of their company records that's to right. Baptist World Aid. I remember Aid. you raising this. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's understandable. Yeah. This is part of their intellectual property where sure. they, they manufacture. But so, then the results aren't necessarily true. Yeah, so, mm. you know, maybe it's a, a, a matter of doing your research beforehand. I know this sounds like a, a really big job when all you simply want to do is go out and buy a T-shirt. But, you know, after a while, you, you you start to know, oh, yes, that's right, you know, they're accredited with ECA. Oh, yeah, their mm-hmm. rating was quite high on Baptist World Aid. So mm-hmm. if I could suggest, yeah, doing that research is very important. But it's also important to be aware of greenwashing. Mm. And many companies will promote an aspect of their sustainable manufacture and gloss over the other aspects of the supply chain. Mm. And so, again, it could be quite a trap for consumers to be led down. Oh, look, they're promoting themselves as sustainable. Mm. And some of the big companies do have sustainable ranges, but that doesn't reflect the overall nature of their production yeah and one thing i was going to add was the good on you app Mm -hmm. it's it's a basic app but i like what i like about it is it covers a whole range of categories so then you make an educated decision on what value you're placing Mm. on that purchase Mm -hmm. so they might excel in certain areas and fall down in other areas but you know you you may you then can make the best choice possible Look, I think that's a really interesting point, Janelle, because we, we all have our own values. You yeah. know, we, we're obviously interested in sustainable and ethical fashion, but, you know, for, for some people, like, you know, if you're a vegan, for example, mm. um, then, you know, obviously leather's not going to be a, a choice for you. So I think that's a really good point that, mm. you know, we have to be true to our own values. Mm. And, um, you know, the problem, of course, with um, vegan leather is, of course, it's going to be sourced from, from plastics. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are initiatives underway to produce 
vegan leather using plant-based fibres, so pineapple fibres, for example. Right. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a big ask, but, yeah, yeah if, if this is something that you're passionate about, yeah. then, yeah, it's And important. I guess what yeah. I'm picking up in summary is value what you have, mm. buy less, and when you do go to make a purchase, you do your research and you make the best choice possible aligned with your values. That's such a good point. Yeah. yeah. I, if I could add there also, buy quality. Yeah. You know, it's going to cost you more. Yeah. But it's going to last longer. Longer, yeah. Um, make sure what you buy fits. Yeah. That's a, a an often overlooked aspect of sustainability. And look, I must admit I'm a bit of a sucker myself and, you know, I'll see something I really like and, oh, it's reduced as well, so how can I resist? But, oh, it's just a little bit tight. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to lose a couple of kilos, aren't I, over summer? And therefore yeah. I'll fit into it and a year later I find it in my wardrobe and go, mm, no, it still doesn't fit. So yeah. not only have I wasted that money, but what am I going to do with that garment? So yeah. I think quality and fit are really important. And mm-hmm. if you are prepared to pay that little bit more initially, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get better fit mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I'm a big fan of classics and minimalism. So again, this probably gets back to a personal aesthetic. But classic garments and minimalist garments will last longer. Mm. They're not subject to those same whims of, you know, what's the latest colour and how Mm. big's the collar supposed to be and Mm. are the sleeves the right shape, etc. And sure, you might want to go out and buy, you know, something really on trend, but you can use that to jazz up a classic garment, for example. I was thinking that, like accessories of a scarf or bold earrings or, you know... yeah. uh, a big ring or something Precisely. that can really speak to that garment. Yeah. So yeah. a really good fitting quality pair of jeans, blazer, boots. Yeah, jazz it up with your accessories, with your scarves, yeah. uh, your hairstyle, for example. Yeah, true. And, you know, if you want to buy that hot pink trench coat, then probably try not to feel too guilty <laughs> Yeah, it. yeah. And one thing that I've loved doing in um, Cairns where I've, obviously been based for a while is clothes swaps oh yes yeah so I actually did a cull two days ago another cull (laughs) and um I'm now based in Brizzy so I'm I'm trying to work out what to do with um all of those garments that I'm not necessarily going to wear because in Cairns it was common to have a few a year and um you know, your friends can then benefit from it. But isn't it or interesting? Someone I, else in the community. Yeah, and aren't other people's garments much more interesting oh, than definitely. yours? Oh, <laughs> definitely. I've had some great finds from yeah. clothes swaps. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point. And it also builds community. Yeah. And yeah. often it goes for hours, and you know, you might have a shared lunch with it, and it's a, it's a really beautiful so, outing. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know, there's a, a big push these days to make, um, because as you're probably aware. Um, you know, fashion retail or spending on fashion has declined of late. I just saw another major fashion company um, go out of business yesterday, and this is sort of quite common, uh, This these um, events where companies are closing down. You know, I, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing for the company, but it is a reflection of the fact that people are buying less clothing. Mm. But... Consumers are looking for experiences these days. Mm. They don't necessarily want to spend their money on a product. They want to spend their money on an experience. Mm. And retailers are really struggling in this area because how can they provide that experience that consumers want? Mm. Whereas something like a clothes swap, Mm. as you say, it's more organic. It's something that can happen with friends and you can turn that into an experience Mm. itself. Mm. So I think that's that's a really good point. Yeah. Think about how you look after your clothes. Yeah, you're buying something. It's quality. It's cost you a bit of money. You want it to last a long time. So you value it more. Value it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we wash our clothes too often. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this as we're sitting here in a very hot and humid Brisbane day. Yeah. And obviously, for you know our, our own sense of well-being and for the the benefit of others, we do need to wash our clothes. But think carefully does does it really need to be washed yeah you know a lot of times um you can hang clothes on the line on a windy day freshen them up a Mm. bit of sunlight a little bit of wind spot clean Mm -hmm. rather than doing a a Mm -hmm. full clean so value what we have hang on to things 
Um, I'm notorious for not being able to let anything go. My house is swamped by old clothes, but yeah. you know what? They'll always come back into fashion. Yeah, right. So keep what you've got, yeah. um, value it, wear it again. If you're not subscribing to that, what's in fashion? Am I wearing the latest colour? You know, be an individual. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and play around with things, you know, vintage, classics, as you say, something that you, you've swapped with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have a, a number or a large number here in Australia, but I know I've spoken to you recently or in the past about uh, the stores in Japan, for example, where mm. you might walk into a store and see these, you know, to die for clothes. And for me, it was sometimes only after a little while that I realised that they had been repurposed or recycled. So there's quite a strong culture there, um, mm. particularly in Japan, where resources tend to be valued a lot more. Mm. Um, so it'd be really good to see that happening here. Mm. As a fashion teacher, I used to feel a little embarrassed about wearing clothing that wasn't on trend, something that I may have had for two let alone five years, or wearing something secondhand to work, uh, now I don't care. I don't yeah, have to care. Yeah. I teach sustainability. Yeah. So there's that value now placed on, oh, this is vintage or retro or I've had this for 10 years or so. Mm. Uh, I can even get away without ironing my clothing now before I go to work <laughs> <laughs> because, hey, it's a lot more sustainable. I also think just that other layer of, confidence that you get by choosing something that feels really good and unique to you as an individual and that that beautiful or positive flow on effect so rather than it being on trend yeah. what what feels good for you and um then how does that um lift your confidence yeah. and i guess allow you to um feel good yeah, in your own a, skin yeah no that's so important isn't it and I mean you walk into a room of people and you're the one who looks a little bit different yeah, yeah you've got but to if value you feel that. good in that if you feel good in that it's then irrelevant if that's, it's not on trend yeah yeah, yeah that, that's so true and really when you think about it no matter how fantastic you might look in a, a on-trend garment what does it mean when you're wearing something that someone has suffered for. Yeah. Um, either through their working conditions or through the 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 chemicals that they have absorbed through working in the fibre mm. or fabric production mm. or in the dyeing industry. Um, so just a little bit off point as well. Um, I also travel to India quite frequently, both for work and for pleasure. And a natural dyeing company that we visited a number of years ago on a study tour in Ahmedabad, their point was they had run this business for quite a number of years using chemical dyes. They estimated that the average lifespan of the worker in their company was 10 years. Oh so no gosh. matter what age that worker began wow. with them, within 10 years, they would probably be dead. And that was from the ingestion of the chemicals oh that were gosh. used in the processes. And that was part of their decision to move towards natural mm. dyes because um, they were sick of their workers dying. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, how good can you feel wearing mm. something with that knowledge that, that people have suffered mm. and again going back to we've become used to thinking about this when it comes to our food consumption and other areas of consumption mm. so yeah you've mm. got to feel good mm. in what you're wearing mm. as well haven't mm. you <laughs> now I did say that my last question was my last question but <laughs> I actually haven't raised the topic of hemp with you oh okay do you have any comments around um, yes, it may be somewhat ethical, but how functional mm. is it to use yeah. in the industry? Or well, yeah, what's your take on it? Um, the Queensland government, for for many years, actually has um, been encouraging the growth of, of hemp for fibre production. And you and your your listeners may be aware that um, up until the twentieth century, um, 
a vast majority of fibres that we used, both for clothing, um, but more specifically for um, industrial purposes, were sourced from, from hemp. And even the term canvas, for example, mm-hmm. comes from the word cannabis. Mm-hmm. And so artist canvases, sails, and as I say, a lot of clothing was made from um, hemp fibre. So it's very sustainable, mm. requires very little water usage, very little chemical usage. It will grow in just about any conditions. Mm. Um, but it's quite a coarse fibre. Mm-hmm. So um, fantastic for you know jeans or, again, industrial purposes. But um, a lot of manufacturers these days are combining the hemp with silk or with oh, wool. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that gives a, 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 a better softer, feel and a yeah. softer fabric yeah um so yeah great supporter um but yeah we we just need those manufacturers to get on board yeah maybe maybe early days yeah and how to use it more for garments exactly Mm. yeah excellent good point yeah all right thank you so much for this chat today trisha my pleasure now do you mind if i just share a few um resources resources yeah please do for listeners so um I usually start my sustainability lessons with a um, a video that you can just find on YouTube and it's called The Story of Stuff. Um, I don't know if you've seen it at all. But um, mm, look, it it can be a bit divisive, but it's a really good introduction. It's not specific to the fashion industry, but it's a really good overview of how the consumer society has evolved, particularly post-World War II. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes through a very simple supply chain of you know, raw material extraction, production, distribution, etc. So it's a really good start. I think it goes for about 20 or 30 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really helps set the, the context for why we have become so consumption-oriented these days mm-hmm. and give some advice on, on very you know, steps that people can take. Um, There's a really good series of uh, documentaries called um, Blood, Sweat and, and the one I'd recommend is Blood, Sweat and Mm T-shirts, which really focuses more on the ethical side of fashion and it takes a group of young fashionistas who live for fast fashion and it plonks them down in the Indian clothing industry or garment industry. And over the series of the four episodes, they move from formal legal factories to sweatshops Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting to witness the journey of these six young fashionistas and the awakening of their environmental consciousness as a result of having to work under the conditions that the people who make their clothings work under. Mm -hmm. Um, River Blue I came out of River Blue swearing to neither buy another article of clothing in my life. Wow. Of course, that didn't last terribly long, but that's a really good look at the, uh, probably more from the environmental aspects of the right. industry and, again, the particularly the fibre fabric and dyeing industry. Yep. Um, the True Cost is a, a, a heartbreaking expose of the conditions of workers in our industry. Um, I follow Fashion Revolution. It's an organisation that arose in response to the collapse of the 2013 Rana Plaza building in Bangladesh. Mm. That was the world's second worst industrial accident where over a 1,000 women and children died so that we could wear cheap, fast fashion. Uh, So Fashion Revolution works at a number of levels to encourage the consumption of ethical fashion. Uh, There's a, a local company or um, organisation called Textile Beat run by a a fabulous woman called Jane Milburn and Mm. Jane is very very passionate Mm. about I've heard um, her speak yeah Yeah. she's wonderful yeah yeah yeah, she's wonderful so she's got um, great social media presence she presents in um, she runs workshops where people can go along and learn how to to rework and recycle uh, one of Jane's mantras is that she never buys a new item of clothing. She she reworks, she recycles, she buys second hand. Or on the rare occasions when she does buy something new, she buys quality that will last. Yeah. 
Um, Claire Press, Mrs Press, she's the sustainability editor at large for Vogue magazine. So she has her own social media presence and is very proactive in the, the area of sustainable and ethical fashion. But I think it's also important, um, you know, talk to others. You know, I'm, I'm probably not a great fan of proselytising your views, but, you know, share your views with others. Talk mm. to others, you know, ask them, encourage them. You know, mm. do you know where that was made? You know, mm. what, what's the fibre content there, etc. Mm. So just, you know, sort of try and spread the word. And also in talking to others, I'm thinking even on a small scale with the clothes swaps, just getting yeah. two or three of your friends together and, you know, appreciating each other's items that sure. you no longer want. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have to be a big scale thing. Yeah. It allows things to be repurposed quite easily. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And um, look, probably finally my other piece of advice would be if you don't know already how to do it, learn to sew, learn to yeah, mend. I yeah. might mention darning to students and they look at me as though I'm speaking a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, repair things, make yeah. things. I think you value them yeah. much more. And they've got a story to them. That's so true. Yeah. And, and I'm a great believer in you know, the story's the important thing. Yeah. And uh, I know I drive colleagues and students mad when they say, <laughs> oh, where did you get that dress? Or I say, well, 10 years ago. Yeah. From a little boat tea. Grab a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't I tell you? <laughs> and I think it's also, I mean, we can't feel too guilty. I'm as, as I say, I'm as big a sucker as anyone else for a, you know, cheap on-trend garment. So, But you can make an educated choice and yeah, that's the purpose of this conversation. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Small steps. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can make a difference. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Trisha. Thanks, Janelle. Thanks for tuning in to the Wellness Alchemy podcast. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast to help spread inspiration and conversation beyond the Seeds of Health corner of the globe. Until next time, bye for now.